0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Author Pep Talks. I'm your host, Lekinzee Kemp, and today I'm interviewing Adiba Jagardar, the author of the young adult contemporary novel, The Henna Wars, which debuted in 2020. Adiba Jagardar is a Bangladeshi Irish writer and teacher, and she has an MA in postcolonial studies from the University of Kent, England, and a BA in English and history from UCD, Ireland. All of her writing is aided by tea and a healthy dose of Janelle Monae and Haley Kyoko. When not writing, she is probably ranting about the ills of colonialism, playing video games, or expanding her overflowing lipstick collection. Today, we're diving deeper into her recent blog post titled Second Book Depression, and discussing the unexpected apathy and disconnection authors sometimes feel toward their work how writer friends can help keep us afloat during these dark times, and how to cultivate joy around a particular project when you need it the most. I found my conversation with Adiba just as moving as when I read her original blog post, and it was so refreshing to speak candidly about an experience many writers have, though often in isolation, especially over the past year, as many of us have been drafting and debuting in a bubble that feels so far away from the rest of the world. Our conversation allowed me to let go of many painful months of trying to fall in love with my sophomore novel and to finally make room for those feelings to grow in an organic way. I hope you come away from our conversation feeling less burdened too. So without further ado, find a comfy spot away from all the noise, and then enjoy my conversation with Adiba Jagardar.
1: How are you doing? Oh my gosh. Um, So usually I would just say like, oh, I'm doing fine because obviously that's what you're like programmed to say. But I will say I'm really tired because obviously my book is coming out very soon and I'm sure you know, like around your release week, you have so much to do. You're running around doing like a bunch of things. And today is actually like one of my busiest days. I think you are like my fourth or fifth person that I'm speaking to because of something to do with publishing. Um, So yeah, I'm quite tired. How are you doing? So
0: I'm sort of coming out of that exhaustion and fatigue. I had things crammed in the month of April. And after April, you know, my publisher didn't have too much, (laughs) too much planned after that. So, you know, it was sort of a blessing in disguise. I think at first I was constantly looking for opportunities to fill my schedule. But once I got through those first two weeks post debut, I was like, no, I can't continue at this pace. (laughs) So I've been resting, you know, as much as I possibly can, but I'm also working on past pages and and doing other things that have like a really quick turnaround. So it still kind of feels like a lot of things are coming at me. It's just not necessarily like putting my energy towards being public facing and, and doing virtual events.
1: Yeah, that's that's good. Oh. You know, I'm glad that after your debut, you got a chance to like relax. And honestly, like, I cannot wait until I'm in that space again. I have been looking forward to this for so long. Mm -hmm. I feel like this year has just been like, go, go, go. And I'm just excited to even like take a couple of days and just like read some books or play some video games.
0: I think I've tried maybe three or four weekends in a row to not work. And One of those, I was able to stick to that commitment and all of the other ones, something just came up that I needed to do. You try to set those boundaries. Mm -hmm. Sometimes (laughs) the world doesn't let you.
1: It's tough. It's really like, I think when you're trying to like self-motivate, like you always have to do with writing. You're sitting there and you're like, oh, like I have the weekend off. Why am I just sitting here? Why don't I just write that because I have a deadline or whatever. Even if you have the time to like take a weekend off, you often feel like you shouldn't and it's difficult.
0: I've talked recently to some other authors about that transition for some of us from writing alongside another full-time job and how that conditions us to work in you know the cracks in our lives on the weekends and the mornings and the evenings and so that's a really difficult habit to break when mm-hmm. you are able to transition to writing full time or if you're writing full time and maybe you only have a part time job now instead of another full time job and so that has been a habit that i've been trying to break for gosh, probably like two years. And it's a lot of start and stop. Like this month, I'm not going to work at all on the weekends. And then something comes up and I kind of have to restart and try again the next month. And it never works out perfectly. But you know, I think it's worth making the attempt.
1: For sure. I guess the important thing is that there are some weekends where you are taking off because I don't think, you can spend like an entire year with all weekends off, even if like that's your New Year's resolution or something, because things will come up and that's okay. I think the important thing is that you keep trying. Right.
0: So you wrote a blog post recently that really spoke to me titled (laughs) second book depression. And it just hit me in the gut. I mean, the, the disconnection and the apathy that you felt towards your sophomore book, all of that I related to so much. And, you know, as authors, we've all been warned about the so-called sophomore slump. And we've been told that writing your second book comes with just a lot more baggage. And you're usually working under intense time constraints. And so all of those things combined with the fact that you're getting input and feedback for book one, probably at the same time, it just makes for a really emotionally taxing experience. But I feel like your experience was a little different in that the drafting wasn't really the problem Mm -hmm. necessarily. So for anyone who hasn't read your blog post, which I will link in the show notes, do you mind just talking a little bit about the second book and when you noticed yourself starting to feel really disconnected from it?
1: My second book, I will say, I personally think of all the books that I have written so far, I think it is my best work and I really love the book. So I don't, I don't ever want anybody to read the blog post or listen to me speaking and think, you know, Adiba doesn't like this book because I do. I really, I really love my second book. I put so much of myself into it. And that's probably why the second book, Depression, is hitting me so hard as well. Yeah, the drafting process was very easy. Um, I think I was writing from such a personal space that things just, came pouring out. So that was very easy. I wrote it before the Henna Wars came out. You know, the Henna Wars was my debut. So before I debuted, so I didn't have all those voices in my head. And it was just such an easy process, actually a much easier process than my debut. But then as I started working on like promotional stuff, as I start working on everything that comes after you've written and revised your book, I just started feeling very disconnected I didn't really feel excited about the book coming out and you know like if you're tweeting something you're always like I'm so excited to share this um, or that's a phrase that I always use and I would write that I'd be like well that's kind of a lie because I don't really feel excited about this so I was just I was feeling all this and I wasn't sure why it was just because you know, there is. pandemic, and we've been in this for so long. And in Ireland, we just started lifting restrictions for our second lockdown. Um, which we've been in since January. So it's been quite tough. I've had, you know, family members pass away, my grandmother is really sick. So I was also going through all these personal issues. So I couldn't, I couldn't really separate all these things. And I don't know if I can still. But then when I watched this video that Alexa Dunn posted, that's really when it kind of sank in. And she said, when her second book came out, she felt like this. And I was like, wow, that that is exactly how I feel. And I didn't know that there were other people who had this feeling. And I didn't know that this wasn't because of pandemic, or because there were personal things going on with my life. It's because I have a second book coming out.
0: So you also mentioned something in the blog post about having a really tough time post your debut, mm-hmm. which I definitely experienced. And Shared with some close friends that I have not experienced a depressive episode like that since my father passed away, which was 10 years ago. So it was really, really shocking and unexpected.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, honestly, it started probably two weeks before debut and lasted about two weeks after. So it was a full month of just being stuck in this really awful feeling. And, you know, I had some moments where I was just like, I don't know if I want to do this again. Like, this is not, this feels horrible and there's nothing I can do to like shift how I'm feeling. And Mm -hmm. so I was wondering if part of your apathy towards the release of your second book do you think that had anything to do with you remembering what your debut experience was like or remembering kind of the emotions that it drummed up for you?
1: I think it's possible, yes, because I do remember what my debut felt like, but because I think with my debut, there was a high, I don't know if you felt that, but There was like a very big high for like the two months from the day my book released, and you know, the two months after, just because I had so many things scheduled. Because my book came out in May, and then it was June, it was Pride Month, so I got invited to so many things. Pride Month was like my busiest month, I think. I was doing things every day and I didn't I didn't really have time to process that I had debuted and I had a book out. Again, I was just like, go, go, go. I wasn't really in a place to kind of check in on myself. Um, and then after June, that's when I kind of crashed. And I think when it comes to the second book, what I'm thinking is I can't have that high again. You know, like things are different with this book. I'm not going to have that high. But also if I have a high, even anything similar like that, there's going to be a crash. And I worry, is the crash going to be worse? No matter how high the high is or how low the high is, is the crash going to be worse? Just because I do feel this apathy. I think there's just, there's the unknown, but also at the same time, I feel like, I know what publishing uh, my debut was like. So I don't have the excitement that came with my debut, but I also know that I will probably feel that crash.
0: So for this book, do you have any strategies that you're planning on using or maybe safeguards that you've put in place so that you are making sure to check in
1: with yourself regularly? It's kind of impossible to know how you're going to emotionally react to something or how your book is going to be received and how you're going to react to that. So I think I think you can be as careful as you want to be. You can still experience those like emotional roller coasters. I guess what I really want to do is to, to check in on myself, unlike what I did last time. And one of the things that I've decided that I'm going to do is I'm going to start saying no, which I didn't do with my debut. I just kept saying yes, yes, yes to everything. And that's why I was so busy for the two months after my debut. I think being able to say no and being able to kind of give myself time off and give myself that time to check in on myself. I hope that that will help.
0: Yeah, in hindsight, do you feel like there were a lot of things you said yes to for your debut that just really weren't worth the physical or
1: mental energy? I wouldn't say I said yes to things that weren't worth the energy, but I think I think if I said no, it wouldn't have really made a difference because usually like if I say yes to something, you know, I end up enjoying, you know, doing the event or whatever, but then you still lose that energy or, you know, you lose that hour of writing or whatever, or that hour where you could be relaxing. Like, I wouldn't say I I regret saying yes to all of those things, but I guess I just want to be more careful about where I give my time to, because I know that saying no to one thing is not going to ruin my career. I think that's
0: really important advice, especially for me and other debuts to hear, I've spoken to some other people who also debuted this year, but debuted earlier in the year. And they said something similar that, you know, obviously you want to do as much as you possibly can to support the marketing and promotional efforts of your book, but you're also human and, and it's important to get to a place where you can say no without having all the guilt, or at least Mm -hmm. if you do experience the guilt to just, understand that it, it's not accurate (laughs) in that you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel badly about saying no to those things.
1: Like at the end of the day, the most important thing is going to be your mental health, whether that comes to, you know, your writing, your publishing um, career, whatever. And if your mental health isn't where it needs to be, then everything else is going to suffer. So you need to take care of that first, but it's difficult to do that.
0: It is really hard to do that. And I mean, there are more resources out there now than, you know, there were 10 years ago, but it's still something that you're essentially doing on your own. I mean, even if you go see a professional, you see a therapist or a psychiatrist or something like that, you're still the one who has to seek out those resources, be committed to going to those appointments. So it's just a lot of responsibility (laughs) to take care of your mental health as well. It is.
1: Yeah. And I mean, this is going to sound bad, but it's also time consuming. And sometimes you can get so caught up in other things. You're like, I don't have the time to take care of my mental health, but you know, it's important to make that time.
0: And that makes me think of some other conversations that I've had on the podcast about being really intentional with your schedule. And for example, I was talking to Imparo Ortiz and I've referenced this in other episodes, the great idea that she gave me to schedule in moments of joy throughout your day. And I feel like that's something that could work for, you know, mental health check-ins, you know, maybe meditation isn't your thing, but maybe there's something else that you could do throughout the day that is another item on your to-do list, but is actually something that's good for you. I know that I'm the type of person who really loves marking things off of lists. So that might be a good strategy (laughs)
1: for me. Yes, I also love like the checklist. So, that is a good that is a good idea. Um, Amparo is very smart. She is. She's very smart. She's very
0: hilarious. I love her. <laughs> but yeah, I mean just going back to this notion that our mental health is essential to the work that we do and, and safeguarding it and taking care of it is so important to the work that we do. I feel like something that the past 2 years leading up to publication has helped me get better at is just sort of learning how to ride those waves of my anxiety and depression rather than trying to force my way through them or around them. Like, I feel like that exerts so much energy and it never actually does me any good. So I think, you know, just noticing those signs of when something is coming on And then preparing yourself for the arrival of it. Even if there's not a lot you can do in terms of moving things around on your schedule, or if you're writing under deadline, which makes everything a million times harder. That's something that I think has worked for me is just noticing that it's coming and doing what I can to make some space for it before it arrives.
1: I think that's really, really smart because, like you said, it is a lot of effort to try and like work around it, but usually you find that you can't do that. So it is better to just let it crash over you. um, Letting yourself like feel those feelings. I think, I think that is really important because a lot of the times what we're trained to do is to kind of turn off feeling those feelings and feeling that kind of like anxiety or depression. And it's important to just feel what you're feeling. And again, to check in with yourself about that and Yeah, just letting that happen. What I find very helpful, actually, because I do get I get frustrated with my writing, but I also get very frustrated with publishing. As you know, a woman of color, and I'm sure you can relate, there's a lot of moments of frustration where things feel very overwhelming. So what I find very helpful is actually um, just venting to my friends, like my friend Gabby, she is the person that I will like wake up in the morning, and I'll feel very annoyed. And I'll send her like a seven or eight minute long, like voice note, venting my feelings. And I'll be like, so that's my rant of the day, Gabby. Um, And that that actually, it helps me a lot, because I'm just getting things off my chest. And it's not necessarily about working out the problems. But again, just about feeling those feelings, and speaking to someone about it.
0: I think even if somebody listening doesn't have a particular person that they feel, you know, 100% safe sharing those feelings with, to me that also sounds just like journaling or like typing something into your notes app on your phone,
1: just whatever it is getting it
0: out of your body.
1: For sure. I think it's just about, you know, what helps you feel like you've let those emotions out, find that and then do it.
0: So I am really curious about your blogging journey. I've kept a personal blog since probably 2012, and I haven't updated it in a really long time. And especially towards the beginning of the year, there was a period where I thought that maybe I would just delete it completely because I was starting to do a lot of promo for the book. And, you know, something that I'm sure a lot of authors from marginalized backgrounds can relate to is you start to notice the commodification of your own identity. Mm-hmm. And it feels really invasive and just kind of gross and just getting into things that are really personal that I didn't expect to have to speak on over and over and over again. And so I'm curious, like what you get out of the blog, you know, now that you are a more established author, you obviously have readers and and people who love your books and who also love you like, what do you get out of the blog and what sort of the purpose behind continuing to share really personal things on that platform?
1: So I will say that I have also been blogging for a long time. I've had various blogs throughout the years. Like I was, you know, one of those live journal people. Um, I had a Tumblr. I had like a WordPress account back in the day. And I used to blog about like various things. And I used to kind of put a lot of pressure on myself. And that's probably why none of my blogs kind of worked out because I used to be like, I have to be consistent. I have to blog like every week. And I feel, I feel very lucky now because I do have like more of a platform. And because, you know, everything is so connected through social media, even if I don't, you know, blog every week, which I don't, I blog like once a year. I know that, you know, there will probably still be people who will be able to read it and will be able to connect with it. So for me right now, my blog is really there for when I feel like I need to say something, but I don't necessarily have any other platform to say it. So with this blog post about the second book, depression, I had been thinking about it for a long time. And I spoke to a few of my friends. And I kind of said, like, I haven't seen like anybody else talking about it. And I just want to write about it to get my feelings out and to figure out why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, and what I can do about it. So I wrote it. And then I thought, well, like, where would be a good place to share this, where uh, maybe other writers who are feeling the same way can connect with it. And, you know, the only place that made sense was the blog on my website. So that's, that's really, you know, what I'm using that blog for just when, when I want to get something out that I don't necessarily have another platform to get it out through. Well, I'm
0: so glad you did write it and that you did share it on your blog. You know, it directed me to that video that you referenced, and just knowing there were at least at least two other people <laughs> um, who were experiencing what I was experiencing was really comforting. Something else that I really appreciated about the blog post is your emphasis on the importance of finding joy and how you were personally trying to do that for yourself and I feel like you came up with some really creative things to help you like create some positivity around your book can Mm -hmm. you talk about the things that you're doing to cultivate joy and then what other people should think about or keep in mind if they're also trying to cultivate the same thing
1: Two of the big things that I'm doing to cultivate joy, one of them is having a fake advice column for the characters from my second book. I kind of, I kind of thought of this as like a promotional thing, but also because I thought it'd be really funny. I thought my characters would give really bad romance advice and it'd be really funny to write that. So, you know, I reached out to my friends and they all, like my author friends, and they all said yes. And they wrote these anonymous advice columns, which were really, really funny as well. So I I guess I kind of accidentally lucked into it because it could have been possible that, that actually brought me a lot of stress, but it did bring me joy. And I did I did do it because I thought it would make me happy. Um, not necessarily because I thought people would connect with it, though that has also happened. And then the second big thing has been connecting with my community. So growing up, Bangladeshi and Muslim I think one of the first things that you learn is that your community is really really important and your community they are the people who often show up for you even when they don't have to even when they don't necessarily even have a connection with you but they are your community so I thought you know when I was feeling really down that's who I should go to I should turn to my community so I decided to reach out to South Asian content creators to help me launch the book because it is about two South Asian girls and Bengali girls, to be specific, and the response was so amazing. I didn't expect it, and getting to kind of speak to these content creators and getting to work with them and see their creativity and their excitement for my book, but also other South Asian books, um, it just it always makes me really happy. And then I think the third thing I said was just seeing people get excited about my book on social media. Um, that always brings me joy. And I think if you want to cultivate your own joy, it's going to look different for everyone. But you need to think about what is going to make you happy. And it doesn't always have to be even related to the book, but relate to the book. You know, what is going to make you happy related to promoting the book? Because Ultimately, I do think your book should bring you joy. And the more joyful you are in promoting it, the more readers will actually connect with it, or at least that's what I believe. So I always try to think about what makes me happy, what I would enjoy. And so far it has connected with readers.
0: It's so important for that joy to be genuine, which is why feeling that apathy can be sort of scary in the beginning. But like you said, if you just think about those really special things that you love about the story that you can kind of translate into some kind of like community activity, then that's a way to kind of cultivate that joy that you might be lacking. I think those examples are also a great reminder of the communities that are around us, not just your author friends, not just your potential readers, but also the communities that you belong to in terms of your interests, in terms of your identity, that might not be book community specific,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but that are still out there and, and are probably still willing to celebrate with you. I know that that's how I feel about my community because I, I ri- I write very specifically for them. And so when I see them getting excited about something that I'm doing, or when they're helping me with something that I'm doing, or we're, interacting in any kind of way like that always brings me really genuine joy.
1: I think um, your community is definitely a place that you should always feel like you can turn to for some kind of joy and it doesn't it doesn't even always have to be related to your book. Um, I think you can feel joy in other ways um, and you can bring that energy to your book or to your publishing journey.
0: In terms of practical advice are there any tools or strategies that you use to help you be productive or to help you focus on the work, especially when you might have other things going on in terms of mental health or in terms of outside stressors?
1: Yes. So one of the things that I actually do is me and my friends, we have a weekly check-in and it happens every Sunday and we have like a spreadsheet and basically what we do is at the beginning of the year we set some goals and obviously we can change them throughout the year. But we set some goals like I want to revise this book, I want to write this book, um, promote this book, whatever. And then every week we check in. So we set our goals. We say um, this is what I want to do this week. And then the next week we say this is what I achieved, this is what I didn't achieve, and we also talk about like what blocks we may have to overcome to achieve our goals. And I find this very helpful because. Um, it's not just me checking in with myself, because I can be very unkind to myself. But my friends are not going to be unkind to me. So if I have a week where I've just had a lot going on, and I'm beating myself up because I didn't achieve my goals, Gabby will literally be like, "Idiba, like you had so much going on, take a break, don't beat yourself up. And, you know, I think, On the flip side as well, probably, this hasn't happened yet, but if um, I have a week or I have a couple of weeks where I do nothing, but I have a deadline, um, my friends will probably say like, Ariba, you need to get off your ass and start working. So for me, this has been something that has really helped keep me in check and keep me productive but also at the same time it has helped me be kinder to myself and also be kinder to my friends um, because you know we are helping each other out it's not just me and my journey it's about me and both of my friends and we're all helping each other be productive but also be kind to ourselves.
0: Is that something that y'all were doing before the pandemic or did it kind of come about during the height of that?
1: I think we started doing it in 2019 or maybe at the start of 2020. I actually can't remember, but before the pandemic. Yes.
0: Okay. That's lucky that y'all already had (laughs) sort of a system in place to help y'all get through that. I think that's a really great idea. I know of some other writers who are a part of writing groups and like they'll do sprints together over Zoom. I know that can be super helpful for people, especially for those of us who maybe liked writing with our friends in coffee shops before the pandemic or having some kind of social aspect to it. Writing is not always this super solitary activity. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really fun thing to do in community as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, And I mean, we say so much, you know, about the book community and the publishing community, the writing community. Um, I think it's really important to find your community and support them and have them support you in whatever way is possible.
0: So I have one more question. When you're writing alone, when you first sit down to work and maybe you're feeling a little apprehensive or sometimes I legitimately will just feel afraid before I get started. Is there anything that you say to yourself to either motivate yourself or to help you focus?
1: I don't think I do. And that might sound bad, but honestly, even if I feel very stuck and I don't want to write, I just write, even if it's rubbish, because I think the most difficult thing is actually getting started on a writing session. And that is the, that is also the scariest thing, like the blank page, or, you know, just trying to like find your groove or your rhythm for the writing day. So I think I just try to get started as fast as I can, even if, I end up deleting a lot of those words. That's okay. So I just, I try to jumpstart, I guess. But if I'm feeling very daunted about writing, I close my eyes and then I write um, because that makes me feel like I'm not really writing because I can't read the words coming up in front of me. I just, yeah, I just write. I have never heard of that strategy
0: before of closing your eyes.
1: I don't know. It helps me. I think people, people do it in different ways. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Clarabelle and they wrote in like windings. And I think it's the same strategy that you can't actually read your words. So it helps you write. So is there any
0: last bit of advice or anything you want to leave people with? Anything of encouragement?
1: Yeah, I would just say, you know, writing is really tough and publishing is really tough. And I did, I spoke a little bit, you know, about finding your community. I really think that's very important because you can feel so lonely in your journey, you can feel lonely in the feelings that you're feeling. But you're not you know there are so many people who are feeling the same things who are going through the same things like you found out from my blog post right because you are feeling the same thing that I was feeling so you know find your community and speak to your friends tell them how you're feeling it will help you feel less alone and it'll help you overcome those difficult moments
0: yeah second that community is everything Thank you again for spending this time with me today. It was, like I said, it was so nice to meet you. And thanks for writing that blog post and being vulnerable online so that I could find it and read it. And like you said, feel less alone.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was great speaking to you.
0: If you'd like to learn more about Adiba or her books, please visit her website at adibajagardhar.com or find her on social media at adiba underscore j on Twitter and at dibs underscore j on Instagram. Also, be sure to buy her book, The Henna Wars, published by Penguin Random House at your local indie bookstore. If you enjoyed this episode, Please like, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also sign up for the Author Pep Talks newsletter to have weekly pep talks delivered straight to your inbox. And if you like the music featured, please check out my website, lakensakemp.com music to find more information about the instrumental soundtrack for my debut novel, Somewhere Between Bitter and Sweet, composed and performed by J.D. Morales. Thanks for listening.